Let's turn to Psalm 126. As John said earlier, we're, um, we're having a birthday party today. And if you can stay afterwards, uh, we, ha- we have enough food for you. And we may not have enough chairs for you, but it's okay. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside. And so uh, we would love to spend some time with you, especially, especially you Zachary folks who we don't get to see very often. Um, just to be together for this one-year birthday is pretty, is pretty cool. Um, and just so I don't have to give instructions at the end, uh, you can just follow this sidewalk uh, back behind the building, follow it straight down to the far end of the building, and then we'll kind of filter back around. Like if you've been to any of our big dinners before, we go to the other end of the fellowship hall and come back so that we're uh, doing it that way. But we'd just love for you to stick around for that. We, the reason why it's a one-year birthday is because if you're unfamiliar with the story of, of how this group of people got together in one place, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a unique one. And so uh, I just want to take a few minutes and look at this psalm and see how it connects to where we are in this moment together. So we read the, read the whole thing, and then I'll kind of unpack it a little bit at a time. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations... The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So this psalm is Im- embedded in a series of psalms that are, are called the Psalms of Ascent, meaning that this, this was a part of what they would, uh, as they were making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, these were the psalms that they would read or sing. These are the ones they would discuss. This is a part of how they were preparing themselves to go to worship, uh, to go to uh, everything that involved, everything that with the temple and everything that involves, you know, going to Jerusalem. It was a way of getting the kids uh, with each trip more and more dialed into what was happening, what they were going to do. Um, and so this psalm is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a reflection, and then it's also a looking ahead. And that's why I think it connects with us so much because following, like being a Jesus follower, is not just uh, it's not just a me thing and a you thing. It's a, it's an us thing. So it's like I have a story and you have a story, but also we we have a story collectively. Like it's it's the story of God being faithful to a group of people and the individuals that make up the whole. So it's 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 both and. And I think that sometimes in our, in our day, we tend to individualize our faith so much that it's good for us to intentionally push outside of the individual, like me and Jesus, and to think about us and Jesus. And even in my own teaching and preaching, I think I tend to lean so much toward like the individual sanctification and, and growth and, and following of Jesus that, that sometimes I think I forget to emphasize the, the corporateness that we are following together. We have a story. It is a collective thing. It's an us thing. 
And we see that all throughout the Bible and all throughout our own lives. And so this is a psalm where they are reflecting on God's faithfulness to the group. There are psalms we see where David is writing about God's faithfulness to him, but this is one where he's like, no, when he did this for us, it was amazing. And that's essentially what they're, what they're saying. Look at the, the wording. Verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. It's like when things were really terrible and then God made everything awesome, uh, it was almost like it was too good to be true. You ever, you ever had those ever had those moments where um, you ever had a dream where it was like a terrible dream and you woke up and you were so relieved that it was just a dream? This is like the opposite of that. This is the kind where this is something where it's so, things are so good that you are like, please don't wake me up, kind of thing. Like it's almost like it's too good to be true. It is, this can't be real. We were like those who dream. Verse two, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. So. You ever had something that was so good you just you had to laugh about it? I rem- I remember um, when uh, when I got the phone call about Sherwood Baptist wanting to talk with us about possibly seeing if if there was a future in us coming together. Uh, Meg and I were in staff meeting. It was back when our staff was super small. It's just me and Meg, and we're in staff meeting. And I'm talking I'm talking to Bruce, and uh, you know we like set up a time to to meet or whatever and. Uh, Bruce is pastor here, and um, you know Meg. You know how she is; she eavesdrops a lot. So she's like listening uh, across the table, and um, she uh, got the phone, and she's like, "She's like, does someone want to give us a church building?" And I just laughed. I was like, "I n- no, but kind kind of, you know." And she's like, "What are you talking about?" And I just all I could do was laugh. I was like, "There's this church that flooded, and they restored the whole thing, but the." The flood um, relocated so many of their members, they're just not real sure what to do. And this pastor wants to talk and see about if there's any future together. And we both just sat there and laughed at it. Like, it was like, there's just, there's just no way. That kind of thing. So here they are. They're like, God has restored our fortune so much that it's like a dream. And then they just, someone said they couldn't help but just laugh at how, like, is this really happening? And, and then they begin to have shouts of joy because they realized, hey, this is real life for you. Like God, God is doing this thing among you. It is, this is real. Uh, and then even to the point where it says in verse two, and, th- and they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. So the nations, uh, if you have uh, an older translation, like a King James translation, it says the heathen. There's a good word. Everybody's parent ever called him a heathen. All right. Uh, heathen is simply, it just basically means like a, like a nation that was not a follower of, of God. Okay, so you, they've been called heathens, pagans. Uh, we've softened the words over the years, but basically, it's saying even the people who don't know who God is looks at this at, at the blessings, and then he's like, "Man, uh, this God they worship sure looks like he's taking care of them. This God that they have devoted themselves to uh, sure sure has blessed them and done great things for them." And so they're looking at his faithfulness to the group, and they're saying. It's like a dream, and sometimes we laugh, and then we realize it's real, and we just shout with joy to the point where even like other other nations look at us, and they all they can do is give credit to our God. That's what's going on. And so it's this deep realization that uh, that God is doing has done this for them, and like in a in an undo in a way that is undoable. It's not reversible. It's this real life for them. 
And then verse 3, it's like they, the nations are saying the Lord has done great things for them, and they pull it to themselves, and they're like, yes, the Lord has done great things for us. This ESV translates it, says, when we are glad. You know, to me, that's a little, that's a little gentle. Other translations, I would say better translations say, and we were filled with joy. They just, they looked around and they said, God really has done this. He has provided and he has taken care of us. And a lot of us in this room have, have been at stages in our, like in our like corporate church life where we kind of wondered, uh, are like, are we going to make it, you know? I've known uh, from talking with enough of the, of the Sherwood Baptist members who, after the flood, they got rebuilt, and then this, everything had changed so much, and there was this big question mark of, what are, what are we going to do? Are we going to make it? If you're from the, if you're from the Living Hope side of, of, of the union, I mean, there were times, whether it was starting off as a church plant, most church plants don't survive. So we're like, are we going to make it at all? Do we know how to do this? And we went through all these different moves and all these shifts. And there were so, so many moving parts. I came and list all the obstacles that were against us. And even within the last couple of years, there are a lot of folks that were wondering, are we going to make it? Is this, is this something I'm supposed to hang in there with or not? And then our Zachary friends over here, um, I mean, for you guys to, to live in Zachary and to be able to say, it'd be real easy to just go to the church down the street, but we feel like God's calling us to do something unique and to step out in faith and trust God and to trust one another, um, and to hang in there together and figure it out. But I know all of you at various points have wondered, like, are we going to make it? Is this going to work? You know? Um, and like John said, uh, we're, we're proud of you. Like we're, it doesn't even come close to it. Um, and then there's some of you who are like, I don't know who any of these, well, I don't know any of these stories. Cause some of you are brand new to this whole thing. You've come within the last year. And so all you know is living hope fellowship in Sherwood, but maybe you came from another place where it kind of got to that point where you're like, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to make it. But I think all of God's people in churches, we, we go through all these different stages and struggles and stuff. And I think we, at times all ask ourselves, um, has God forgotten us? Is this, is this falling apart? Um, are, should I hang in there or not? Are we going to make it at all? And so to be here in this room together after a year is an incredibly significant thing. Uh, you didn't give up. More importantly, God didn't give up. And I could list dozens and do- I actually tried. I was like, I'm just going to rattle off a long list of all the ways that we've watched God take care of Living Hope Fellowship in Sherwood, all the different ministries and moving parts and all this kind of stuff, the, the New Life community in Zachary, like the whole thing. I'm a, and it was just too, it was too much. It was too long of a list for me to, to name. But we wouldn't be here without his power at work and his grace among us. And every one of us, whether you're with the Zachary crew or whether you're with the Living Hope and Sherwood crew, every one of us recognizing, okay, God is at work. This is difficult sometimes. It requires sacrifice. 
It requires communication. It requires prayer. It requires uh, everyone. There's, there's some give and take. There's this transition grace that I've talked about for a year now. But it has required all of us hitting pause on our own desires and recognizing the fact that if God is in this, then there's no other place that we would want to be. And he's been in it. Every bit of it. it isn't, I'm not saying everything has been perfect and smooth. But we're here a year later. On Thursday of this week, the Louisiana Baptist Convention is having an event here. Uh, they're hosting church planters and pastors from around the region who, uh, who are interested in either starting churches or being a part of churches coming together in like revitalization work. And they want to have it here because they want to go to a place where it has worked. Most places it doesn't work. And I don't, I don't know, I don't, outside of God's grace, I don't know why this is true, but apparently this has gone as smoothly as anyone's ever seen it go. And the credit goes to the Lord and the credit goes to the people of God being humble enough and open-handed enough to say, Lord, we're just going to follow you. And so they'll come here on Thursday and they'll walk around and they'll ask questions and we'll get to share our, our story about things. And I had another, another, uh, church approach me recently and say, Hey, we're probably going to want to come sit down with your leadership at some point and figure out why, why, what you did worked. Cause it probably shouldn't have. And we're about to go through it. I'm like, All right. I'll give you a list. Um, I, I, and I don't say that to brag on us. I say that because the Lord has done great things for us. He's done great things for us. We have a, a, a group meeting in Zachary that are like, you just wouldn't believe how different this this is and a lot of church plants start off where you have a you have a pastor and his wife who move to a town and they try to start a bible study and then let the bible study grow grow into a church plant eventually and we did everything backwards uh chase preaches like every five or six weeks actually there's so much shared leadership and so much shared caregiving it's it's this ridiculously strong group of people and uh the lord has done great things for you and so us being filled with joy and with gladness and with gratitude, it, it only makes sense. And so here's this, here's this psalm that's doing what we have to do, which is make a habit of remembering and celebrating. It's so easy to get bogged down in the, in the struggles and what's, like what's not going right and what we need to fix and, and all these kinds of things. And we see it throughout the scriptures and throughout the history of the church that the people of God have to hit pause and stop and say, let's remember. That's, uh, uh, that's a part of what communion is for. We do communion every, every week here at, at Living Hope. And when we first started doing it that way, it was a little strange for us because a lot of us didn't grow up in a tradition that does that. And, but I think we've found that it is, it is like, a, it's like this reorienting like, discipline that God has given us. It's like, hey, you know your life is super crazy and you have a hard time focusing? Um, get, wait in a line with other people and step up and take a piece of bread. And someone says, the body of Christ broken for you. And you dip it in the juice and they say, the blood of Christ poured out for you. And you take that. And see if you haven't found true north. You know, see if you aren't a little bit more oriented in the right way. It is, it is remembering. It is making those lists is reminding ourselves that in this moment, uh, no matter what's going on, the best and worst of, of life, we look back and we have a history of faithfulness.
And that's what this psalm has done. And then the psalm, it, it turns this incredible corner. They basically uh, say, God, would you do it again? How about, how about you do that again? That's what, one of the funny things about kids is like if you're like roughhousing with them and stuff like that and you do something and they like it, what do they want you to do? They want to do it again and they don't get tired of it. That's one thing I learned being an uncle. I have this niece named Amelia and she's the best. And she pretty much every Sunday will find me down here somewhere and she wants to grab onto my hands and like run up me and do a backflip. Not just a backflip. I mean, she would do it until she probably got sick. I mean, she would just over and over to the point where I have to be the one back. Hey, last one. And she's like, yeah, right. Because she knows I'm a pushover. <laughs> but it's almost like in this psalm, they're, they're remembering and they're so filled with joy and they're, they're so stoked. And they, and they realize that, that in those moments, you, you kind of have choices. You can look around your life and you can settle back into complacency. Or you can realize that it, that it doesn't matter how good your situation or bad your situation is, you still need God to show up. You still need God to, to move and to do his thing in your life. You still need his help. And so this psalm turns a corner and they're like, Lord, would you, would you do this again? Look at verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. So that's the same language he used in verse 1. When he restored our fortunes, it was incredible. Do it again. Restore our fortunes again. And he says like streams in the Negev. The Negev is a, is a, a region that is very dry and very kind of, not quite deserty, but it's just not a lot of plants grow there. Not a lot of water, natural water sources there. And so when it rains and it fills up those, those gullies and stuff, uh, life kind of sp- springs up. But it doesn't happen all that often. And so they're basically saying, God, will, will you bring your life into the dead places among us? Like streams of water in a desert. Will you bring life to what is dead? Same thing they say in verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Okay, you're sowing, sowing seeds, you're planting seeds. What is a seed? Is a seed alive or dead? Anybody know? It's dead, right? It, it dies, falls, into, goes into the ground, right? Then it like comes back to life, miraculously. I know some of you botanists are like going to get on to me about this, but you know what I'm saying. You put a seed on this, on this piece of wood right here, it's not going to like grow into an oak tree. Because oak trees come from acorns, I know that much. <laughs> if you put that on there, it's not going to happen. It, it, like, God has to do something to it. And so you're sowing in tears, you're taking these like dead things, and you're putting them into the ground. And the in tears part implies like, hey, well, you're taking the dead parts of you, the things you think are lifeless, and you're putting them into the ground. And you will reap with shouts of joy, meaning that dead thing will not stay dead. You believe that the streams of water are going to flow into the dead parts of, uh, of the ground. And God's going to use that dirt and that water and the sunlight and all the things that he does to make something come to life. Same thing in verse 6. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Sheaves, just, we're talking about just bundles and bundles of growth. They're looking at God and they're saying, God, we've seen you do this once. Will you do this thing again? Will you bring life to what is dead in our lives? 
Will you bring life to what is dead in our, in our individual lives? Will you bring life to what we think seems to probably maybe be dead? Will you bring salvation to those that we are burdened for? Will you bring hope into the sin patterns that we're trying to become free from and walk in the freedom you provide? Would you, there's the thing I'm talking about. Would you bring life into the the parts of us that seem dead? We, We know they're not dead in our minds, but in reality, it feels that way. And as a group, would you bring life? Would you bring life into the places that we live? Would you, would you take the eastern side of Sherwood Forest neighborhood? That seems really difficult and has a, has a darkness to it spiritually. God, can, can you bring a stream of water into this desert? Can we sow seeds of life? Burdened for the for the, the and just the heaviness that we sense here, believing that those seeds will come to life and transform this community. Can you bring streams of life into Zachary? Can you bring streams of life into Central, into Prairieville, into Baton Rouge? Can can God change a city? Can God change the people that make up the city? Can can God do this, or are we kind of convinced that it? May you know might happen, might not happen. I'm not really sure. These folks were convinced of something, and I want to be as convinced of this as they are in this psalm. Like I want to have that. Like do it again. Those those who who sow in tears, they might reap something. Uh-uh. I want to be like, no, it it will happen because of who God is. When I was in seminary, we were I was in a, a prayer and fasting class. And, um, we were watching, uh, uh, they played a video for us one day and I, I tried to find it and I can't find it. If anyone, if this sounds familiar to anyone, uh, you gotta let me know cause I gotta find this thing. And it was in the eighties. No, no, it wasn't in the eighties. It was in the nineties cause this is cause I know why in a minute. It was in South America. There was a, there was this town that was completely overrun by, crime and uh and drugs basically the cartels and the drug dealers and stuff had ruined the quality quality of life in this city and everyone felt like helpless no one was sure what to do about it and so the video starts off and it's it's showing footage of of the town and just different things just the darkness there and they're interviewing this pastor and he's explaining um how like how quickly things changed and how just how dark it was to live there and how hopeless they were and um and so he's talking and so he said he was asking the lord what to do and the lord said you need to get some other pastors together and you need to pray and so uh he said so i i called two of my friends and we got together and we prayed and this was a this was like an old school video but it was so manipulative in like the best of ways um because not manipulative in a bad, like, that was the wrong word. They knew exactly what they needed to do to tell the story the right way. How about that? He says, so we've been, I got these two pastors together and we got to, to pray. And there's this, there's this song that uh, the band Delirious did. And he, they released it in 1994. They used this big old album. And it's called, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? And that was super influential for me. And so all I needed to hear was there's this, like, snare shot some of you know what I'm talking about. It's like, shack. 
And then it starts this little groove, and I was like, oh, no. It's about to get on. Like, it's about to be on. He says, so we started to pray. And the next week, we invited a few more pastors. And so this, like, groove is kind of playing in the background. And then the vocals come in. And uh, you, you guys, some of you guys know the song. And it's like, did you feel the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? When the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one. And you start to think about, like, the, something shifts when God's people start to pray. That's, that's, something was happening, you know. And so then it goes back to a little groove, and they start to tell more of the story. And they say, next thing you know, we have, we have 30, 40 people gathering, and more and more people are coming. And then the cartels heard what we were doing. And so one of our meeting, one of our prayer meetings in this church, the cartel shows up to try to stop us. And the vocals come back in. <laughs> Did you hear the people tremble? Did you hear the singers roar? When the lost began to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one. And sure enough, guess who got saved? The drug dealers and the cartel leaders. And so they came back to the prayer meeting the next week. And it keeps the and so the song keeps building. We we can see that God's are moving a mighty river through the nations. Where young and old return to Jesus, and then it's just this. Actually, you know, there's this stadium full of people, and the song is "Fling wide, you heavenly gates, prepare the way of the risen Lamb or Lord or whatever it is." I have no idea because by this point I'm just bawling, crying. And the stadium is filled with pastors, their church members, former drug runners, and cartel leaders. And this stadium crusade is filled up with people who, who had nothing else other than the power of God just sweep over them. Because the people of God began to recognize that God can bring water to dead places in the desert. That God can take things that seem to be dead and bring them back to life. And that when the people of God believe that and they begin to step into that and act upon that, things start to happen. And so we're sitting in this classroom and we're all, we're all just crying and, and uh, they're, they're singing the chorus of this song. With, uh, and everything's going crazy. And we're singing the song and this like little like revival happens in this classroom, which if you ever... It's, 10 of us, you know, so it wasn't like a huge revival, but it was good. Um, and, and this, for some, that song suddenly made sense to me. I've sung that song for years, but for the first time I realized what this song is saying is, um, when God's people begin to sing, when we begin to pray, when we begin to believe that he can restore the fortunes to the dead parts of life, he, he moves he honors that faith. He shows up and he does what he does. And so please this morning, as I close, just receive the encouragement to lean into what God is doing. Whether you're thinking individually or corporately, whether you're talking about Living Hope in Sherwood and New Life Community, or you're thinking about what you're facing personally, if it seems to be dead, that is, that is, that is a lie that you want to believe. It may seem to be dead. But when the river of God shows up, when, when, when God takes those dead seeds and puts the right surrounding around them and he brings them to life, it'll be like a dream. And your mouth will be filled with laughter and with shouts of joy. 
And you'll grab onto this reality that God has done great things for you. And he will do great things for you. And he will do great things for us. And so we have to believe that, that God is at work among us. And so please, this morning, just re- receive what I think God wants to say through the scripture. Turn to him and say, will you do it again? Will you bring salvation? Will you bring hope? Will you bring healing? Will you bring comfort? Will you bring justice? Will you bring whatever it is? God, will you, we've seen you do it before. Will you do it again in our day? Among us, in us, through us, whatever, whatever that takes, wherever we are. Can you, will you please, 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 please. So at the end of the day, at the end of the sermon, the real idea is uh, just keep going. You know, we're not, we're not passive in this bringing of life. We don't stand back and just watch God do all this stuff. He's like, no, how about we do this together? How about you, breathe, how about you be the stream of water that goes into people's lives? How about you be the one to plant the seeds? How about you be the one to cultivate the dirt? Remember the parable of the sower? How about you be the one to help get the rocks and the weeds and all that kind of stuff out so that these seeds can flourish? God is not going to passively heal our cities and heal our families. He doesn't do it passively. He does it actively. Uh, and I, what I mean passively means meaning you are not, and I are not passive. We are active with him. And so he says, come on, let's bring water to them. Come on, let's plant the seed. Let's do that together. And if we are convinced that something is too far gone, then you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to join him. We're not going to plant the seeds. Let's not be those folks. Let's be like this group who realized we still need his help. So the bottom line is, let's keep going. As as a church, as Living Hope Fellowship in Sherwood, let's keep going. All of our teams, all of our groups, all of our ministries, our mission church, let's, let's, everything under this umbrella, every bit of it, let's keep going and let's believe that he is doing this among us. And so we, we're going to kind of have a few moments where we're going to, uh, you're going to have to either receive this or reject this. It's kind of how, kind of how it works. Um, Someone comes up here, they bring, bring, a, bring a text, they bring what God has, and then it's kind of in your court to either say, I want that or I don't want that. If you don't want that, uh, I, all I would really ask is that you, um, you may be open to thinking about it again, maybe after you leave here, maybe later today, tomorrow, something like that. If you don't want it right now, I understand that. But maybe just put a pin in it, you know, come back to it later. But if, if there's something stirred in you through the songs, through the scriptures, through being together, uh, we want to give you some opportunity to respond. And so we will have those communion stations, and you are, you are welcome in our line. Um, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to have been here before. What you have to do is you have to want what Jesus is offering you. He's the one that's offering you his body and his blood. You have, to, you have to want him. If you want to come and kneel and pray, these steps are, are, are available to you. 
we'll have some uh, uh, elders and staff here on the front row that would love to pray with you, especially if you if you don't even know, like, if you're like, man, you're talking about following Jesus, I have no idea what that even means. Um, but we're going to... We're also going to sing, and we're going to sing kind of in, in the same structure as this psalm. We're going to sing of his faithfulness, and then we're going to ask him to do it again, if that works. And if you're hoping that we sing, did you feel the mountains tremble? I can't, can't guarantee it. We'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see, if the, we'll see if the spirit moves or not. Just wait to see if you hear the snare shot. And if you hear the snare shot, then it'll happen. Let's, let's stand together. God, I'm, I'm thankful for this room full of people and for uh, the many stories that are represented here of your faithfulness, your goodness to us as uh, not only as individuals, but also as a group, as the people who make up your, your church. And I ask, Father, that you would just help us to apply whatever it is that is stirring in us this morning. Whether it is from the scriptures or from the songs or whatever. We, we just want to be able to respond to you. So whether it's through communion or prayer or singing, um, maybe just being together is, is enough. Uh, I'm thankful, God, that our story is not just a bunch of individual stories. It's a, it's a group story as well. And so we thank you for your faithfulness to us, and we ask that you do it again. And pray that as we, as we sing in a structure like the psalm, that those same things would come alive in us, that hopefully came alive in them uh, so long ago. So these moments are yours, Father. Uh, we love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Our uh, communion stations are open. You just respond as you feel led in these moments. This is your, this is your time with the Lord. Uh, so let's use it well.